Welcome to PT Shop Talk, where a couple of folks talk about therapy, family, movies, music, sports, and everything in between. Remember that this podcast represents the opinions of the hosts and guests and should not be taken as medical advice. The content is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Everyone is a unique and special snowflake, so please consult your healthcare professionals for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. We take every effort to ensure that the information presented is accurate and we welcome any comments, suggestions, and corrections of error. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including, but not limited to, establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis of expert witness testimony. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome, everybody, to episode 21 of PT Shop Talk. On today's episode, we go to PT Court, where Nick Doling tries to defend trigger point dry needling against Casey Hansen with Judge Jeremy Ruling. We also are going to finish out with a little bit of our top five barbecue and outdoor gathering essentials list in preparation for Memorial Day. With me today, as always, is Nick, I double fist brats, Doling, and Jeremy Gasoline pretty much lighter fluid than Klompenberg. Welcome, <laughs> gentlemen. Hey. Welcome. <clears throat> Can we kick it off with, like, the boys are back in town? Keep going. In- we took a week off. Right? Yeah, we did. Oh, I didn't even mention that. I'm sure our audience noticed uh, stats have taken a hit. So oh, we are it. back. We are back. We're back. Everybody. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we got it. If the podcasting I'll clip that. We can clip that. When we start yeah, doing save, promos. Save that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, it uh it was uh first break in since we started this thing. So yeah. it's uh, an honor everybody. being around you gentlemen in person. I mean, we got to do that last week. Yeah, we didn't even <clears> take yeah. a picture. We we could have posted it. Should've. I'm I'm trying to do more social media. Uh, should have reenacted the logo. Oof, I know, I know. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the social media thing's always a struggle for me. I'm trying to take that over, but I heard you had your own struggles with social media there. Nick. Ooh. Nice tea up. Yeah, you're, yeah. <clears throat> so, actually, our stem this is more relates to my wife, Michelle, and this stems back to last July. I think we were on vacation celebrating our anniversary uh, 15 years last year. Congrats. And we're down. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. So this goes back to like last July and she starts freaking out. She's like, I'm, I'm like locked out of my Facebook account. You know, somebody, I don't know, hacked it. And time went on, they froze it and, and kind of restored it back to her and all this stuff. And then last week, somebody took it, maybe it's last weekend. I can't remember, but whoever it was that hacked into it <clears throat> is back on running her profile. And changes the name even from Michelle Doling to like, um, I, you know, vaguely was a kind of Chinese name, like Lua Zhang, and starts posting pictures that Michelle had, like re uploading as like a new, like replaces the profile picture with like one that Michelle had of her and her dad. And this, <laughs> so this is her actual account, not she didn't just like create a fake account burner no no this is so in the time since michelle has you know she's the end game there 
like a new one. I have no idea. I'm like, what is this person getting out of this? Just and, friends, uh, friends, I guess. Yeah. And on that note, so you talk about how superficial social media is. So whoever it is that goes and finds the stock photo of Michelle and her dad from wherever in these archives, right? And yeah. goes and repos it, like change their profile, right? And there's like 12 likes of friends that Michelle has, friends and family members who all like like this picture. <laughs> and I'm like, did it just like does anybody pay attention to what's going on? Or did they just you're just cruising through on your feed? You're like, you know, you're like, oh nice, Michelle's like <laughs> her dad okay like what that right i so like your set- new nickname too michelle zing jing <laughs> zing jing or whatever don't, don't judge me yeah, yeah. Well, everybody gets to do what they want i get it yeah. but we've all kind of like anybody who's aware of it now is like block this person so can she still get in or she's out again she no, she's out of that one. one she can't access that one. okay but so she, person can. so she has a so this is her old account and she made a new account and this person reactivated her old account. Yes. Oh, it's like so. It's and I don't understand the end game there, but and we, we all like look at it in Big Stone today. Like Wade Flicky told us, like, oh yeah, if you get an email, like it's like a phishing email, phishing scam. If somebody's hacked his account, shooting it out. It's like stuff happens almost so routinely now. Yeah, for sure. I don't open emails from anybody, especially like admin people, because well, that's pretty common. Um. <laughs> I don't know what they, uh, I mean, I suppose they get a million emails and they're just firing through them. They're like, oh, bloop, yep, check out them. Let's hit that link. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. You know, I had uh, I had uh, somebody like copy my account, right? They took my picture and made an account with my name and like added, I must not have had my friends um, private at that point or whatever technique they used to get up, but they started adding my friends mm-hmm. and everybody's like, messaging me yeah it's like hey letting you know your account got hacked and i'm like well two things uh clearly it's a different account because they're asking to add you as a friend uh and b why would you message my account telling me i got hacked if i've been hacked so people's like understanding of the internet is surprising to me (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, just don't, and I had to make this like big announcement because like 30 people, and I'm not a big Facebook guy, but like 30 people message me. Yeah. And, and then there's a few of my friends text me too, you know, and it's like, make this announcement. It's like, hey guys, I don't know if you know how the internet works, but like, these are literally separate accounts. Like I could pick anyone on my friends list and make an account with your name on it and take a picture, you know, yeah. you. so it's a, it was very interesting. It was very what's frustrating because people were what's like, what's the end game and something like that? A good question. You know, if if a few of your friends like them, then you have access to their profiles so you can start finding out about them. You know, people post dumb stuff. You post Mm -hmm. where you live. You post what your kids do. Yeah. Um, You know, so, I mean, it's creepy. But, you know, you start Mm -hmm. to learn about people. And I don't know, eventually you can maybe open up a credit card and you find out some of that stuff. And, you know, it's you just got to be careful with that you know yeah. knowing about people you can find out some interesting stuff and then they can message your friends you know like mm-hmm. hey because i've had what's that your happen. debit card pin yeah because my <laughs> friends always ask <laughs> well there there's some other i mean there's some i see uh i follow a guy named tim kennedy if you guys are familiar with him he's a former army ranger mixed martial artist guy pretty cool dude all around um and he um he posts every probably once a month 
he'll do a post where he's like sharing screenshots of where people have taken his his pictures and used them <clears throat> kind of identity theft in a way for like creating profiles like catfishing stuff oh, yeah. like whether it's dating or whether it's trying to start a business and they're using his stuff you know because he's a jack dude jacked handsome guy and they're like you know I, so I setting know up the type the Wink. dating profile Ooh, jeremy oh no <laughs> winking about myself thanks Nick. oh <laughs> Here I thought you were just alluding to other people on this meeting. But. No, I'm not kind <laughs> to other people. You're just an egomaniac. Yeah, 100. percent Total e person. Only ego feedback we get on this show. <laughs> yeah, it's so. uh, yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know. I that's why I've been so minimally social media. But uh, as you guys know, running a business and things, you just can't ignore that stuff. So yeah. getting getting into it now more and with this podcast and things. I mean, I've been involved more on i probably posted more on my facebook about this podcast mm-hmm. and i post about any other aspect of my life and we as you should 20 as you forced, so it's electric <laughs> yeah. you you forced me to as well i'm i'm also not a social media person and yeah I, that's probably that's probably the most i've posted in three years I still have yet to like anything other than my own posts, which seems weird. I don't, I don't know if you're supposed to do that, but I do it. It's very self-centered. Yeah, (laughs) nobody's called me out on it. I don't know how you would know. So, it's uh, social media was simpler times back in the day. When did you guys get on Facebook? Like initially, that would have been grad school. But I was, I mean, it came. It was like a you know pretty infant then. Oh uh, gosh, it probably would have been like 06 maybe. Okay, not too far off. I was well well into well into undergrad because back back, back when you needed a, a school yeah. email. Okay. Yeah, yep. <clears throat> yeah, I remember like the the buzz when they were like NDSU got added to the Facebook server list or whatever the you know, and it was like, what the hell is Facebook? Like I was still pissed off about text messaging messaging people at that point. Like I was like, why would you? I was late. I'm late to everything, to man. Somebody, man. I was <laughs> always. I was super pissed about that, and now, I, God forbid, I have to talk to somebody. So, I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I converted was... on all that stuff. I was I was a diehard like anti DVD guy when that came out. Oh, wow. I'm like, why am That's I gonna? Re- why am I gonna replace all these VHSs for twenty dollars <laughs> a piece? Oh man. Yeah, I can't watch a VHS. We we still have some, and it is hard to imagine. I must have thought my eyes were so shit back then. Like you can't. That's it's so just blurry. what it was. It's just yeah. what it was. You didn't know anything else. I know it's wild. Life was wild. great. Now we're. I mean, I think we're so spoiled by everything. Nothing's fast enough for us. Nothing comes soon enough, right? No. Yeah, that's Sport. a problem for sure in society. I don't know. Maybe maybe yeah, it's just my kids, but I I see that. Like to sit down to watch. Like a Disney movie, that is a struggle, man. These kids, they want to do something like, even to like sit down and play like, <laughs> like Zelda with my son. Like, hey, check what this Zelda? out. What uh, Zelda? So we don't have a lot of new video games. So uh, I've been playing the Wind Waker uh, classic. I, I thought that would be his favorite of them based on the animation style. Yeah. So yeah, like even that, he's like, mm. like man, as a kid, like I would cut grass for hours just looking for rupees that was the life i lived like Same. what's your, your problem mask what's your take jeremy you're gonna say something 
Oh, I was just, you were talking about VHS. Cause I was going to say, you know, like you've been watching sports now. It's like when the camera pans on the court or on the field, it's like, you feel like you're right there. And you yeah. watch some of the old games from like the eighties. And I'm like, man, it'd be cool if they had a way to remaster it, you know, upscale it. Yeah. There's stuff I like about that though. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's I'm, a, I'm kind of a sucker for nostalgia too. I mean, I think a lot of, people in our generation are but Strong. you know I'm, when i see just like a little bit of graininess i mean i i dig that yeah, so, yeah like, that's just me yeah i play games on my computer and you can add scan lines and stuff back to them so it's like playing on an old tv i like it but, but you're <laughs> right like the nfl is nuts when they cut to commercial like right before they cut to commercial and they they got a camera right behind like dalvin cook and they're yeah. following like it's like you're right there you can touch it Hi, chef. <laughs> Keep cooking. Yeah. It's it is the well, world. It is the world we live in. We so VHS, you could watch Pet Cemetery on VHS. <laughs> is, that, is that how we're doing this? That's how okay. we're saying. So wow. I understand <laughs> you are familiar with the Pet Cemetery as well. Yeah, you could have uh, went. You could have went. All dogs go to heaven. Yeah, that would be nicer. <laughs> oh anything, yeah, yeah. Anything other than my pets coming back to life to murder my family. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you, you you guys are pet folk. You guys have pets, right, Jeremy? You got yes. a dog. Nick, dog. You have a dog, right? He has a. He has like a Horse. friendliest, friendliest <laughs> damn huge dog ever. <laughs> now that's a go, go, go on, Jeremy. <laughs> no. I was going to say, he's like a freaking horse. I mean, it's like, that's what I said earlier today. I'm like, if it's not 75 pounds, it's not a dog. And mine's probably 95 pounds. A lot of dog. So here is the issue, and I'm curious how to handle this. So I now have a dog, which that's a whole nother story. Um, Kind of anti-dog. But I own one. Uh, uh, also, we had a cat. Uh, it has made an appearance on this podcast a few times. Yes, if you're a YouTube watcher, yes, um, yeah, he has. He has moved like right back there. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> over there. Over your right shoulder. Um, yeah, so he has moved on to uh, whatever cats do. Uh, purgatory, I would assume, based on their attitude. So very, <laughs> very interesting to me. I grew up in the country, and when a pet died, you put it in the fire. And then you throw what? the rest of your garbage into like a pile. That's what we did with our animals. Like we didn't, we didn't burn them. We just, <clears throat> we took them. We had a bunch of what we called shelter belts back home, yeah. also known as a tree grove for Minnesota. Grove shelter and you from the wind. Grove, grove. <clears throat> shelter belt, um, as they were referred. And we had one that my dad and all of us coined the dead animal slew. <laughs> okay. So we had any butchered cattle any dogs that may have passed except for except for a couple when us kids got old enough me and my brothers we would if we had a, a dog we were fond enough of we would give it a real burial like we would legit go back to the grove that was right behind our house take a little dig a little grave and bury it now how how deep do you go that is <sighs> question number one i'd have to ask the nine-year-old version of nick <laughs> okay and like, he'd probably he'd probably think it was twelve feet, but in reality, it was like two. Yeah, because I'm not gonna lie, man. Digging a hole is hard work. I don't know <laughs> if you guys saw the guy that like killed his wife and then tried to bury your body and then had a heart attack and died while he was trying to bury your body. No, no. yeah, but yeah, that does not happen often. Uh, no. But still, <laughs> a 
hole digging is tough. So we we had a cat die. Uh, and it's like, I don't know what to do with this thing because normally I would put it in the burning barrel and then mm-hmm. I would move its ashes to our junk pile because that's how Get we in the country. The Get EPA doesn't Get in hurt. Yeah. Undertaker style. Undertaker style. You could get a, a a buffalo urn to put by your nickel. Oh, behind right you. behind us, so he could yeah. still be here. Yeah, yeah, with my, you forever. My first inkling was to just put him in the garbage. <laughs> like, well, the city's gonna take him. <laughs> you, you have no soul. No, <laughs> but it's a cat, so I I don't. I'm not totally and, sympathetic. And here's the thing: he was. <laughs> He was an okay cat. <laughs> right, like we, we had a previous cat that passed away, but she was like at the vet in surgery when she died. Um, and they just like, we're like, well, we'll just cremate her and we'll just write it off or whatever. It means we're right here. Um, so we, so we did have yeah, the evidence. Right. So we do have like, like a little thing of cat ashes. Um, yes. But, but I Get was another like, one. Well, but like that seems like a lot of work. Like again, I put him in the garbage, but my I don't think my wife would have liked that. Uh, and then I was like, "Well, how does she have to know? Why can't? Exactly. Why does she have to? It's not like you're not thinking of putting in like your kitchen garbage, are you? Well, like the garage garbage. So like the garbage pickups, the garbage pickups on Wednesday. The cat passed on Tuesday. Like he'd only be in there for a day. But I feel like I'd have to like cover him up in the garbage. There's right? no like, chance you're gonna get busted, dude. Why didn't you do that? But well. Do you think at some point she's going to be like, so what, where is the cat? Like, should I have just like dug like a little bit buried. of dirt and then just put it back and been like, oh, I yeah, laid I it to, you laid it to rest. <laughs> if she, does she need more details? Be like, I'm sorry. You're that morbid. I don't feel like you, opening up and sharing. Yeah, you should be it was really life. tough. I for me. Tough. <laughs> she knows me well enough to know, like, I need to ask more questions. She immediately would have said, you yeah, put it me. in the garbage, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, right. She's like, it didn't fit down the disposal, so you put it in the garbage, didn't you? And I'm like... <laughs> oh, that would be brutal. <laughs> You'd have to sniff it up first. Well, yeah, I like pieces. I'm not an animal, Nick. You, know, you gotta <laughs> run the water a little bit first. Um, yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> So, but then I was like, how do you, how deep do you bury an animal? Cause I was like, well, maybe I'll just bury it. Like, cause we have young kids, five and three. So I was like, yeah. should we have a, like a ceremony? Yeah. Who, re- who kids, read the Rainbow the Bridge? Who read the poem? Rainbow Bridge. I don't even know that poem. Go ahead. Oh, look it, Tell look us. It up. Hit it, Jeremy. Say it, Jeremy. <laughs> Fill yeah. us in. Ooh. Well, Somewhere I can, over the I can produce this. Yeah. Well, produce I thought, it while we're talking. I thought you but, were going so, so to spout it out. Just. <laughs> So I was like, so then I was looking up cat or like cat coffins. Like that's apparently a, a real thing. Uh, of course it is. They're like 200 bucks for like a metal cat coffin with a velvet lining. That seemed ridiculous. Again, we've moved from garbage to $200 coffin. Compress yeah. it and make a jewel out of it. Like the you whole can have cat. a necklace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind of press do you have? You can take, oh, oh, I think you can do that. I think you can uh, you cremate them and then they can put it in a necklace. Like press it into a stone like a little baby uh, coffin. I guess you, <laughs> I don't think you want to have Very a baby helpful. coffin compressed out of ashes, Nick. You says, where is you this move. going? What are we talking? I don't so know. You're looking at how like just hey, bury how, it and move yeah. away. How deep do you oh. bury an animal? Is really what I'm looking for. Because you wouldn't even need to. Three. You wouldn't even need to bury it. 
Well, I feel like, again, I have to have evidence I did something, because I don't think my wife will, will let me throw it in the garbage. There's one thing right here. It's and it won't e- fit down the toilet. It won't Eternova diamonds from ashes. <laughs> there you go. Is, that's what probably going to be more than $200. Do you is that for pets or like human beings? It's for pets, too. Oh, you can do it all. Only, re- only remarkable pets, though. Because he doesn't you qualify. Said he's okay. Yeah. So do you have a truck? <laughs> Uh, no, Yukon. I mean, well, you could put it in a couple garbage bags, put it in the back of your Yukon and go and find another place far from home and dispose of it. Again, I feel like you guys are missing the point is my wife's going to wonder what happened to it. You like, took care of it. That's all she needs to know. Like, man. All right. You guys. Petey didn't, Petey didn't bury it. I took care of it. <laughs> what did it die of? Natural causes or do you suspect foul play? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got a new dog. I he's never seemed happier since he passed. So uh, this is questionable. Questionable. Cats are um, cats are assholes though. So I don't blame your dog. Yeah, no, he and he is <laughs> exemplified cathood. He was as uh, a butthole as cat get. Yeah. But yeah. I still for some reason my kids still miss him. Uh have you guys ever had to have that conversation? Probably not you, Jeremy, but Nick, have you dealt with that with your mm-hmm. own children? Fish. Like, <clears throat> the kids kind of okay. overfed the fish anyway so i mean they, so they, they, like, they, they murdered him were they, you yeah, they wrestled straight that up with guilt. Them? i mean i didn't yeah. even have to tell them that i mean they figured it out and oh, wow. yeah that was pretty dramatic and i did flush it down the toilet like, did you have a fish stuff. ceremony did you read the rainbow song I, I, rainbow, I bridge. No, the, rainbow, bridge. rainbow bridge rainbow bridge the poem um can you recite it now jeremy so uh no i'm i'm not going to but i want you to look it up it's like when a special pet goes to heaven, they're in this meadow. It's the Rainbow Bridge. I can't believe you guys have never heard about the Rainbow Bridge. But I actually uh, can. You're put, talking you from a man who. Animals in a bird pit. Yeah. Pretty sure slew, like, I'm like, the water will take care of it eventually in about 50 Yeah, years. that's how I grew up. It's like, God, we went through so many dogs growing up. Cats. <laughs> yeah, like, we did a lot too. Yeah, cats were. That was a. I, my sympathy, like I love our dog, I do, and I know when he finally, our dog's sixteen, and when he finally passes, I'll be sad. I know I will, but at the same time, I mean, I went, I grew up just like every six months we'd have another dog die due to either being hit, either being hit by a farm vehicle or being hit by a, that is a hard on the highway. Life, as they say, yeah, yeah, just get used to it, and then and then I'm jamming out, not not singing poems, but I'm like, I don't want to be buried. In a pet cemetery, right? Ramones. <laughs> no, do you know they did a theme song for that movie? That's interesting. That's a punk so rock that, song. Straight so up. every time a pet died, that's how you jammed up. I sing it. I kind of think of it in my head. So, so you have a, you have Music an old video dog now. What what's your plan? You're garbage in this thing when it's all said and done. Well, I, mean, I hate to put you we, on the spot because you said we live dang near the country now. Yeah, we live dang near on the country. I could I can basically go a couple lots back and bury it. That's that's the plan, or have you thought about it? I don't know. I'm not. That just scared me. No, that's you probably are, what I'll do. Yeah, you got. You're gonna need you to stuff. You got to stuff golds. <laughs> now, would you Keep do it yourself? Would it be like a project, like a DIY? <laughs> hire a taxidermist. It's not labor you, of love. No, you you hire that one. Doug. It's yeah. got to be special. <laughs> it's gonna be special if you did it yourself. You make him look <laughs> like he does. It make him look perfect. <laughs> looks like some child drew a picture of a dog and that's what you <laughs> just carry him around in your house yeah how, how well, trippy would that be if i show up to like site visits with this stuffed dead dog 
You yeah, put yeah. like a little vest on him, you know, like a Keeps support me. animal, right? Support animal. Don't look him in the eyes. Don't touch him. He brings me peace, guys. Yeah, this he, is going to be a really controversial episode. Do you think <laughs> that many people are just serious? pet lovers? Oh, yeah. Oh, Everyone's yeah. a pet lover. Right, yeah, um, Mr. Biz- <laughs> Come Mr. Bigglesworth. <laughs> there are meadows and hills for all our special friends so they can run and play together. There's plenty of food and water and sunshine, and our friends are yeah. warm and comfortable. That's yeah. just that's just part of it. Like you got to do that for your cat. You know, you just got to do it, and you got to do it and for, for your, your kids. kids. For your kids, read the Rainbow Bridge, yeah. or or delegate it. Yeah, we uh, use. Uh, I wanted your input, but I have I've sent him to to be cremated. Is actually what I you. decided to do. You're humane. Um, because again, I had no idea how deep I had to dig a hole to put a cat, and that seemed like a lot of work. Um, if I'm gonna be honest, two feet, two feet, two feet. Well, well, why do you have to bury people six feet? What's the oh, difference? There's like a coffin. There's a coffin, and there's like respect you gotta give. It's a human. Isn't it the? Isn't it Just the free yeah, line? Wait, wait. It's garden season. Yeah. You bury it in your garden. Till it. Decompose. Oh. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden like, you got some fertilizer. Just like. Cat vegetables, huh? I guess Oof. it works. Yeah, yeah. I missed opportunity. I guess. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I went with the I went with the burn because I like called the lady. I was like, hey, I I have a dead cat. <laughs> what are what are my options here? And she's like, well, you can drop them off. And I'm like, I'm super busy and I don't really care that much. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, can I wait until like I have some free time? She's like. He's gonna start stinking pretty yeah. quick. Yeah, you can't you can't sit on a dead animal. I found that out as well. Yeah, it's true. She was like, hmm, 24, man. You're probably gonna want to do something with him within that first 24. Because I'm not gonna lie, he was stiff. Boy, he uh, stiffened up quick. He blowed uh, up. Blowed up a lot. Uh, you know, <laughs> he was pretty bloated before he died. Uh, probably why he died. Part of the reason there. I mean, he was it was hard to tell. I should have poked him, I guess, and saw what happened. She poked him with a needle. Yeah, my my dry points? needles I had. Uh, he, <laughs> I don't think he had any trigger points, but he or he could have popped. You probably sure. let him go <clears throat> without proper care, and he died of them. <laughs> because of as we points. all know, trigger points can cause other trigger points. It is a cascade effect. Can you Which, can you prove that it doesn't happen? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Beyond the shadow of a doubt, (laughs) prove it, prove it, prove it. I think you could do, do, do. Probably need to prove that the other way more. (laughs) Can you you support your your thought? I think you need to prove something exists more than you need to prove something doesn't. But we need like a theme for this segment. This new segment, PT shop talks. that's the people's court, right? Yeah, yeah. Do it, Jeremy. Go. Uh, that's uh, that's all I had. I'll do it one more time. Judge Walker, PT Court. Uh, yeah, disclaimer. Uh, as we go through this defense, uh, we are not legal professionals. I am not a lawyer. Nick is not a lawyer. Nor am I. Jeremy, I'm not a judge. Not a judge. Not a judge. Uh, what we use for terminology, most likely incorrect. Uh, taken from television. Uh, maybe some books uh, and cartoons. Movies. A lot um, of movies yeah. in my case. Yeah. Uh, so, Objection. Oh, nailed it. So <laughs> I think you have to do that. 
<laughs> Wait, I'm the judge. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you have to overrule it. But... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or sustain. You say sustain. overrule sustain. or sustain. sustain. Yeah. 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 So we're going to try this today. We are going yeah. to do a little PT court. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, trigger points today. Uh, whether trigger points are something we need to be worried about or even if they are real. So, Ooh. <laughs> I, Ooh. You know okay. Uh, yeah, right. jab, jabbing the needles already. Jabbing the needles. I already. will be uh, going after trigger points a little bit, and Nick will be defending them. So, I will let Jeremy lead us off a little bit about what we're talking about while I get prepared uh, to prosecute. Your opening <laughs> statements. Well, uh, essentially, what we're looking at with a trigger point would be a irritable or hyper-irritable point within a muscle, uh, sometimes called a knot or a taut band. Uh, they may cause pain over an area, um, can reduce flexibility, um, and ultimately, potentially, can reduce muscle function. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got, Case. That's what- how far you want me to go into those? No. Yeah. No, oh, that's... you're putting on your blazer. Yeah. I was so, oh, you, I was so gonna wear my suit coat. <clears throat> you taught Casey. Casey before <laughs> this was all like, "This is too gimmicky." Blah bitty blah. Feel better already? Let me get my oh legal my. briefs out. Does this mean I've lost already? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I've prepared a statement for everybody. For those of you watching on YouTube, I've moved into Casey Hansen Esquire. <laughs> so today, judge, uh, listening audience, I am going to propose to you all that we need to move on from treating trigger points and for even using that terminology, as I believe it's hurtful to the profession and it's hurtful to our patients. So, to start with, though, objection. How how is it hurtful? I think you need to clarify Uh, which ways it hurts. I I will get to that. Thank you, Judge. (laughs) So, I feel like first part of (laughs) describing why we need to move on. First, we need to talk about what Jeremy talked about: uh, definitions of trigger points what they are and are they really there you know if we look at the origin of trigger points a long time ago and i have research to back this but i'm not going to go too deep into it because we did not approve all our evidence prior i think you're supposed to do that uh that's true you're supposed to nothing nothing was entered disallowed disallowed (laughs) i will enter it i will enter it as i go (laughs) it's another that's another win for me (laughs) (laughs) so this all started way back uh, a gentleman by the name of Stockman described fibrotic uh, areas of tendons uh, as generation points of pain. Um, really, he caused, um, said that there was uh, chronic inflammatory hyperplasia, fibrotic tissue and patches. And that moved on to uh, never really proved that. He never had any evidence to prove that. But what happened next is we looked at uh, Janet Travell. She was probably the first major trigger point person. Uh, she was, I believe, a physician. Correct. Thank you, Judge. Uh, and she ended up being, I believe, John F. Kennedy's 
uh, Correct. private physician. Correct. And she theorized, uh, very similar to Stockman's deal, although she talked about um, pain felt in voluntary muscles is myofascial in origin more so than fibrotic tissue on tendons. Um, and she claimed that these trigger point areas can maintain what they call an indefinite pain cycle. So these areas, as Jeremy said, they start to get tense, they cause pain, the pain causes more pain, which causes more trigger points. <laughs> you got something over there, Council? <laughs> no, I'm just <clears throat> for anybody watching on YouTube, this is what happens in movies, right? I yeah. Oh, you're <laughs> talking talk to, to my council. Yeah, oh, my little needles. All right. Oh, you got needles over there? You brought weapons into court today? Who's bailiff? Gonna, bailiff? Yeah. bailiff? Who's your, your honor. Your honor. <clears throat> How did you I get those? That, are those non-magnetic, I suppose? Titanium? I, stainless steel? I asked How'd the Mr. Prosecutor, stay on topic, sir. In the interest of everyone here, oh, I asked that he stay on topic. Overruled, Casey. <laughs> Overruled, I have to stay on topic, or overruled, I can keep yelling at him. I'm you have to stay on topic. Oh, okay. <laughs> so moving on. So Travel and Simmons uh, was the person that kind of jumped on board with this whole thing, uh, formalized this construction of myofascial pain arising from trigger points. Uh, without a whole lot of evidence to back that up at that time, uh, you guys would recognize Simmons as being really a strong medical person because they were famous for being an astronaut. Uh, so those are the people that developed trigger point therapy uh, and the idea of it, uh, JFK's doctor and an astronaut. So <laughs> there we go from there. Um, and, <laughs> you know, again, they described it very similar to how Stockman described trigger points. They didn't really pull anything through there. But what they did bring to the table was these maps. The, these maps of if I press on a trigger point, this is where the pain would be referred to because that was a big thing with trigger points at the time is you had to press sure on it, it had to be referred pain well if you've seen the charts it's we press on a trigger point and you might have pain in one of about a thousand areas uh and we map that and we made what looks very similar to uh dermatomes uh, myotomes because <laughs> uh, it probably follows nerve pathways so very similar. And if you look at back at the time, they even said some of their maps of trigger points were just kind of put together because they didn't have enough information to actually use them. So, so again, the theory of trigger points encompass two things. Uh, trigger points, a local area of tenderness and hyper irritability uh, could be located in the immediate region <clears throat> and it worsened with palpation and cause radiating pain. Can we agree on that as generalized trigger points? Nick, I've put you on the stand for one question. I, think, <laughs> I don't think that's how, I think you either oh, uh, say like, no call to the stand, yeah, call to the stand, call to the stand, Nick Doling. Uh, I don't think you can call me to the stand. Can we agree on that as a trigger point moving forward? You could just say no further comments, your honor. And, and it's my turn. <laughs> no, 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 I have many further comments, Your Honor. <laughs> you should stop right there. No further <laughs> comments. Yeah, I gotta get my I gotta get my terminology down. Dolan, yeah. continue. Rebut. Yeah, right. would you like to rebut just that basis of on that the point, history of Your Honor? 
Okay, is it my time yet? Council? Correct. Is it my time? Okay. Sure. All right. Thank you. Your Honor, <clears throat> my esteemed colleague, Mr. Hansen, would have you believe that. He would have <laughs> like, you believe that. I'd like the that, records to show that, please. Um, Casey, yeah. when, when did you say when did you say Janet Travell was practicing? She was Kennedy administration, uh, correct? So you're talking Kennedy 1960 to 60s? 1960, 1963, sadly assassinated. Sorry to bring that up. <clears throat> not, not because of Janet Travell. Zero involvement with Correct. the assassination. <clears throat> my understanding was know. she basically kept him up. Is it my time? Correct. Okay. Thank you, Your Honor. Objection hearsay. <laughs> <clears throat> so my esteemed colleague, Mr. Hansen, would have you believe that there's been no additional research taken on this topic since 1963, potentially, when Jan Trebell initially drew out the hypotheses for this. So, which in fact uh, would be incorrect. We all know that there's been uh, an abundance of supportive literature <clears throat> in favor of trigger point triangling, somewhat in isolation, but predominantly um, as a, part of a multimodal approach to improving patient care, improving patient outcomes, particularly with chronic pain um, and specifically in the spinal regions, cervical and lumbar. No further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> I comments? Would, I didn't really ask for the comments. <laughs> yeah, I would love to rebut that. Uh, yeah, <clears> and, <throat> and, uh, Ladies and gentlemen of the podcast, uh, Judge Jeremy, I do not mean <laughs> to turn this thing into a straw man argument about trigger points and dry needling. I am not here to argue the efficacy of dry needling. I am here to argue the fact of trigger points and their use and diagnosis and cause of pain. So in that, as we talk about research, I would like to discuss the plethora of research trying to determine whether trigger points are real or not. Mm. So again, we, we ran into an issue with trigger points. Uh, it's a very circular argument, right? My muscle hurts because I have mm. trigger points. Why do, you, why do you have trigger points? Because my muscle hurts. So that initially is a very tough argument to prove or disprove. And we will see that when we ran into issues with this with uh, Trebell, Simmons, uh, later Jan Domeralt, uh, when people asked, well, I have trigger points that as I palpate muscles, I palpate a taut band, it doesn't really hurt. What's going on there? So instead Latent. of proving uh, trigger points existed, what they did was they created a category for them. Oh, right. those don't fit our model. We will call them latent trigger points. They may may one day a long long time from now if you do things wrong cause you pain so instead of proving trigger points they created a circular argument that you can always have trigger points and they can always be present but maybe not cause you pain so the medical community said oh, that's pretty sketch let's try to prove these things so how do we prove it palpation that that's a big one right so we must be great at palpating trigger points because if they're real, we should feel them. So there's been some pretty interesting research about that. 
Again, I'm not going to get into individual articles. I will point you guys to some references at the end um, as an aside from this jury thing that you can kind of go through and wade through on your own. But we found with uh, trigger point palpation, if we told somebody, if we, if we took uh, seasoned clinicians and we said this patient has a problem with their shoulder, they have, they have chronic pain or myofascial related pain syndrome, I guess is kind of the big one. And it seems to be located uh, in their shoulder. That seems to be the area they have most difficulty with. Seasoned clinicians were very good at finding those trigger points. Pretty decent interrelated reliability. He said, oh yeah, shoulder. I palpated the shoulder. This is the spot where it hurts. Um, if they took that away and they said this patient has myofascial related pain syndrome, we'd like you to identify where they're having their problems. Uh, it went from about a 70% reliability rate way down into the 30s, low 30s. Um, and this is with the same seasoned clinicians they used when they gave diagnosis. So we find that if we can't prep people and we can't lead them to believe what they're trying to find, they can't find them, at least not very reliable, uh, less likely than pins and needles flipping a coin to determine where it's going to hurt. So um, we start to find that palpation is pretty unreliable as a diagnosis for a trigger point. And I would also argue in that same fashion too, when we talk about uh, identifying trigger points, we sometimes forget about uh, like a meiotic reflex in muscles. And that's probably part of what leads people to believe if I know it's in the shoulder and I look for it in the shoulder, I'll find it. Because what happens is, and you at home and in the courtroom can do this on yourselves right now. Take a muscle, I use my forearm. Gently press into it until you feel radius or ulna, whatever. Um, likely not much you feel. Take that same muscle that you push through, rub back and forth on it in increasing intensity, and pretty soon that muscle will get firm. That's a meiotic reflex. It's the same reflex, uh, similar anyways, to what you'll find with patellar reflex. If you push on something hard enough and fast enough, muscles respond by tightening up. So when we tell people, hey, my shoulder hurts, and you rub on Terry's major, likely they will start to get tone there if you push hard, which season to Season clinicians will do perpendicular motion along the muscle fibers because that's what they're taught. Um, and they may create some of these issues. And you know what? If that's not the area where the patient feels the pain, don't worry. That's a latent trigger point. Mm. Oh, we can't yeah. palpate. We can't palpate, uh, at least reliably. So let's move on. There's got to be other ways, right? The, these trigger points are real, so we can find them. How about... Uh, we look at histology. It must be different, right? You have a muscle that's constantly firing. It must look different, but it doesn't. Um, we look at histology. If we take a patient that has a myofascial-related pain syndrome and we take histology of the muscles that are sore, we do find increased substance P. We find increased immune response uh, hormones. So those are all great. Okay, something's going on here. If I take that same muscle on the non-involved side, I find the exact same histological changes compared to normal tissue. So we're not finding anything histo histologically uh, really that's different from a trigger point to a good healthy muscle, other than the fact that the patient's having a lot of pain and swelling. 
And that swelling response, the immune response, surprise, surprise, is systemic and it's everywhere, not just in the trigger points. But Dr. Hansen, Esquire, what about end plate noise? That's a thing, right? Trigger points have end plate noise. And you would be correct in that assumption. Uh, when we do EMG studies on quote unquote trigger points, we do find that there is end plate noise, almost always. As we put a needle in there and listen, we have end plate noise. Again, those same individuals, if we put it in healthy tissue, will have end plate noise. Is it the needle going in? Is it random end plate noise that we're capturing? Hard to say research can't support that either way. We do know end plate noise, if you, if you believe in trigger points, is always present, but it's also present in non-trigger point tissue. Dolan? Thank you, Your Honor. I was trying to produce the, the term for... All right, hold up, Esquire, and let Dolan talk. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't find it. <laughs> No, it, you know, you you raise some interesting points, Mr. Hansen, Dr. Hansen. Esquire. Thank you, Esquire. <laughs> Let the court show that, please. Strike you know, you're, you're speaking I'm wearing of, a tie. You're speaking, oh, I could grab a tie, too. I forgot to, or I chose not to. Could you? Whichever, <laughs> yeah, I could, I have like 40, maybe 45. Why? For that yeah. reason. What do you use those for? You time to your mic stand when you sing Aerosmith songs? Um, your Honor, can I? Am I allowed to go on? He's badgering. <laughs> he's not just badgering a witness. He's badgering the defense counsel. As they deserve. <laughs> now, now, as far as tissue histology goes, I happen to have some notes myself up here. Ooh. And, you know, in an article, you know, we're talking about an ischemic environment within this trigger point. Mm -hmm. So you talk about histology <clears throat> and an absence of, you're, you're talking about an absence of uh, healthy blood flow, proper oxygen levels. Yeah, in an article by, is it Belin and Shaw, using ultrasound to help determine the characteristics of myofascial trigger points associated with cervical spine pain, they're finding that there's a much lower level of oxygen present in those tissues leading to a lower pH and a more acidic painful environment causing <clears throat> uh, the body to respond with collateral pathway for blood flow that goes outside the myofascial trigger point creating more of a radiating pain syndrome leading to the hypothesis of taut banding. Now <clears throat> I'm not going to totally disagree with the prosecuting attorney's point on the maybe poor ability any therapist to properly palpate and identify a trigger point. I think it's been well researched and proven that our palpatory skills um, as a collective profession are poor at best when you can compare inter-rater reliability, um, whether that is palpating trigger points <clears throat> that are perceived to be there or whether you're palpating vertebral columns and levels other bony landmarks, et cetera, I think has been proven to be false time and time again and very poor. So <clears throat> as far as being able to correctly identify trigger points, I think that makes that argument fairly moot because it calls into question fairly everything else we do from a manual therapy standpoint. 
Now, additionally, there is a nociceptic environment <clears throat> within this, uh, within pain trigger points that um, I believe you would, you would uh, be familiar with this, Ms. Dr. Hansen Esquire. Um, Thank you. That create a sense of allodynia. Sensitized nociceptor has lower threshold levels for activation and can thus be activated by stimuli that are normally innocuous. And um, can, you, can you translate that for our audience? So what that means is that you have an area, a very specific area of the body that you can provide not necessarily deep palpation as Casey was talking about, but more of a light to moderate approach to it. And it should be fairly pain-free for your, your average every go, everyday person. Uh, but in these cases, it is hypersensitive and creates a response of pain, or interpretation Proceed. of pain for that patient. Proceed. Yes. <clears throat> so again, it goes back to bottom line being poor blood flow, more acidic environment, lower pH. So there is something neurophysiologically going on within these, these specific regions of the body. Also reproduced again by Shaw in the uh, Journal of Applied Physiology. And again by Shaw and others in the Archives of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. And again, I no would further like comments to, at this time. I'd like to court to show that's very similar to the proposal I made where you'll see those ischemic changes, but not just in trigger point tissue. And that's where the danger in what we are saying and doing lies. We are saying these trigger points are the cause of, or at least the generation of the nociception, which I would argue is not true. As we have stated, we cannot say these trigger points are pain generators at this point. I would even go as far as to say that, again, ultrasound imaging even has failed to really prove the presence of trigger points. Um, we see a couple different studies where we talked about a mixed echoic area in rectus abdominis muscle. Um, they found that, but they also found that, again, in normal tissue. Um, so we're trying to find things. We're, we're trying to prove things when really... It, Ultrasound studies, MRI studies have shown uh, chevron type change in muscle fibers, but they were not able to prove that that was any different from normal tissue. And we looked at trigger point tissue um, and the authors of those studies with MRIs have actually sidestepped trying to even discuss it. So we're, we're finding that ultrasound imaging, diagnostic imaging, again, is not proving that the trigger points exist, which is where, again, we come back to my point is are we doing disservice to our patients by telling them that trigger points are causing their pain? We already talked about. Whoa, that whoa. get him judged. What is that? <clears throat> That's not a law thing. Time? Time out. Uh, are we, uh, what, what, what is it called when we both come up to talk to you? Uh, sidebar. Sidebar. Are we sidebarring? Yeah. Is that what Can we sidebar? In front of people? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, side well, I like is that. this where you tell? Is this where you tell me skating on thin ice? Is this banter? <laughs> Just say that one. Are you oh, bantering? Like, you bantering? Every judge it. <laughs> you are skating on thin. No. Oh uh, no! <laughs> I thought it was at least an inch thick. So we've That's got a... here. So we've got here both sides. We're talking basically 
uh, we can't really prove it or well no there's some evidence to say they exist very right? weak evidence is that yeah fair <laughs> um however what what does this mean you you speak to danger and i'd like you to go into that a little bit more what is, what does this mean for our patients what does this mean as a technique uh can you expound on danger i would love to. why it is dangerous Exactly what I'm moving on. So Thank we, you, Judge. Thank so you. We are, wrap this up. So I think we can all agree now trigger points aren't real. Let's move on. <laughs> I object. <laughs> I believe that has not been fully. The record will yet. show uh, Dr. Doling Esquire's objection. So uh, as I move ahead in my brief here, as I had lots of more to disprove them, but we will move on. We've, we've, we've discovered. So so if I don't believe trigger points, and, and I don't believe therapists should believe trigger points, so what's going on, right? That that's, comes down to it. And how can we message differently to our patients to make our treatments better in the long term uh, and create self-efficacy with our patients? Because I, I believe the danger in trigger points is saying that what you're doing uh, is somehow creating trigger points. The trigger points are creating pain, which is creating more trigger points in this cascade effect that unless you take care of trigger points individually, they'll always be present and uh, you can't manage them on your own very well. So uh, that's what I want to move beyond. And that's why I think when we talk about harm and uh, how we message to patients, it's this um, rhetoric or this discussion that we have. I, I don't believe trigger point therapy is a whole lot different from telling patients that they're misaligned. I think it follows that same kind of reasoning as to tell somebody there's, they're out, their, their SI is out, their vertebrae are out. Um, again, and I don't want to make this a straw man argument where I'm comparing trigger points to alignment, but when we talk about the message we give patients, we have to think about that. So <clears throat> when we talk about, and, uh, Dr. Doling Esquire discussed this, um, as far as hyperalgesia, why can't we just say that these areas, this same inflammation that we've seen, although it's systemic instead of local, uh, as we know from histology, um, is a byproduct of whatever your history told us. You, you loaded something up too fast. Um, you created injury somehow. Uh, you loaded something up too long uh, beyond what it could tolerate has created some inflammation. That inflammation has irritated peripheral nerves. Peripheral nerves follow myotomes, dermatomes. Roughly, they, they change daily due to plasticity of the brain. Uh, and that's why trigger point charts are so poor because um, plasticity changes pretty regularly. So why are we saying that we're treating trigger points when why don't we just talk about the hypersensitivity? Why don't we talk about what you've done uh, has created this environment where your body is hypersensitive and it's going to take care of itself. It's not a trigger point thing. I don't have to take care of trigger points for you to feel better, right? We, we have to get you moving again. We have to do those things we know decreases inflammation. We need to start walking. We need to start sleeping better. We need to start taking care of yourself better. And we need to find those tissues you overloaded and take care of them. We need to start loading them up or relax them back. We need to calm them down if they're too... <clears throat> too uh, inflamed initially. Uh, you can't take something that's really inflamed and just keep working through it. I, I, I would agree with that, but I, I feel like this uh, rhetoric of trigger points, which we've never been able to tr prove, just creates a way for our patients to lose accountability. I think it takes away from how we're treating patients 
Because if you believe you're treating trigger points, that, that really becomes a maintenance deal um, <clears throat> in some ways, because if patients can't change their lifestyle, then they're constantly, every time they get pain, it's because they have trigger points and then you treat the trigger points, which um, that could be another different story. A trigger point treatment, I'm not here to deny um, ASTEM, dry needling, massage. I'm not here to poo-poo those treatments because we've all had patients have success with those. What I am here to poo-poo is how we, uh, and poo-poo is a legal term. Um, so it, yeah. So I'd like the course yeah. to show Accepted. that. Accepted. Um, <clears throat> it's just, again, that, that reference point we talk about that can be dangerous. You know, it's, we see it. Uh, it's not trigger points per se, but I mean, even when we look at chronic pain as a whole, it's like, I just need to manage, you know, these knots, this pain. Um, they, they have a million different devices to manage that with little success and little improvement in some of those things that we've seen in the research and long-term chronic pain. Uh, as we've developed more and more treatments geared towards trigger points, you would expect chronic pain and trigger point related pain to decrease, but we are only seeing an increase in it. So I, that's why I think we haven't proven trigger points. It's a cyclical argument. Um, we try to prove it by giving no chance to disprove it. So Jeremy. Uh, All right. <laughs> no, I want to give I want to give Nick a chance to jump in here and uh, rebut. Thank you, Your Honor. <clears throat> I appreciate it. I've always appreciated you as ma'am. Respected <clears throat> the cloak and the gavel. I'd like the court to show I also respect Jeremy. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I did it. I did it first. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, listening audience. I'm just a simple therapist. As Casey said, I'm not actually a lawyer. <clears throat> I'm just are like these closing course. arguments. These are closing arguments. This I'll is the take closing that argument. Jesus right God, he talked forever. All right. <laughs> this is my, my closing rebuttal. <clears throat> I don't disagree inherently with quite a bit of what Dr. Hansen Esquire did present here today. Thank you. What I would <clears throat> what I would counter propose is that <clears throat> treatment of that number one, there is some, albeit weak evidence, but some evidence to show that their trigger points are real and that they are a home for some of the colloquial pain soup as people have coined it. There's also very recent evidence that is moderate in nature. Um, I'm gonna reference the 2001 updated clinical prediction or clinical practice guideline on a JOSPT as far as physical therapy interventions for lower back, where they cite um, three separate randomized controlled trials that examine dry, uh, dry needling interventions provided by physical therapists to patients with chronic lower back pain delivered to what were perceived to be or believed to be trigger points. Objection. That's a straw man argument. Dry needling and trigger points are separate. They're not. We're using the dry needling to treat uh, the trigger points, Your Honor. That's if you believe trigger points are real. Can you That's make him shut up? Isn't that... You're in contempt. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, patients I'm that... bailiff right Nobody here is arguing the efficacy of dry needling. They showed that uh, the group receiving the dry needling treatment to their trigger points had greater improvement in pain following um, immediately following their last treatment session. There was unfortunately no long-term follow-up in that particular study. However, another study in which all participants received physical therapy 
um, with uh, dry needling and another group, a control group that received physical therapy without dry needling. The group receiving dry needling along with physical therapy experienced significantly greater improvements in pain and disability levels at the end of their treatment and at a two-month follow-up. Your honor, my final point is this. <clears throat> I'm not saying that we need to prescribe to a cultish theory and that trigger points need to be the, the focus of our treatment with any patient with abnormal pain levels. All I'm suggesting is that it's part of our, our collective treatment to get the patient better, that we provide a service that they, they are themselves not able to provide themselves in some cases, and we can help them bridge the gap to independence by removing some of these barriers and functional limitations. I rest my case. Cases <laughs> rest. Would you bury that case two to six feet in the ground? At least two. At least or, two. <laughs> or would you cremate it? Um, uh, my closing arguments. Uh, what? Again, you, you can't. You can't close argument again. You. That, I, I, I get to go last. I'm the defense. Argument. I go last. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. Well, I still think I won. Sure. <laughs> Return it to the judge for the ruling. I feel like your closing hey, arguments was just a straw man deal. Do you have, to talk a, bailiff? About. Do you have a bailiff who can toss him out? No, the cat's dead. We talked about that already. Bailiff. He's gone. That was all he's good for. He was mean. Take him away. So, so I think both sides bring up some really valid points. Uh, I would say my personal uh, viewpoint on, you know, so. I think we were arguing two slightly different cases. Casey, you really went at it from the do trigger points exist. Um, and uh, Nick was more arguing for the efficacy of dry needling. Is that fair? That's what I felt like as well. <laughs> I do believe I had a particular rebuttal um, related to Shaw's uh, research studies that did prove that trigger points exist. And there is increased endpoint noise in those trigger points. So also increased so, trigger point uh, and point noise in normal tissue as well. So say that again. So, say that again in English. There's also been found to be increased <laughs> end plate noise in normal tissue as well. So, so this would be my take not, on it. Uh, no, not according to my graphs. Localized, <laughs> localized <laughs> to just trigger points. Well, let me pose this question: Does it matter if trigger points exist or not? Yes and no. I mean, can we can we move uh, beyond? And I'll give my articles as well. And you can use that for your own. I help, too. But, um, no, I, squiggly lines for play noise. Yeah, can can we mm -hmm. just sidebar and move beyond like the law thing? Um, yeah. Just a just a chit chat now. Um, yeah, yeah. I sure. think uh, I'll take the tie off so you guys know. Well, we we need a final oh. ruling. We got well, then we can move away <clears throat> from our our shtick. Well, no, on. my my here's, final rule that here here's my <laughs> final ruling. Uh, I agree with both. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think. <laughs> In terms of, I do think we're trash at palpating. Uh, I do think there's some pretty weak evidence to say uh, that trigger, I, I shouldn't say that trigger points exist, but the, I agree with your argument, Casey, where you're like, well, oh, we just call these ones late. You know, yeah, these ones are I, active. And that's probably, and I, I sorry, but it, it, I maybe I shouldn't have said trigger points don't exist, but I shouldn't, but I mean, trigger points are abnormal. As a pain generator. Yeah. As a pain I, generator. I think if you palpated me right now, I bet you'd find some trigger points and I'm sitting here without pain. I, yeah. I think yeah. trigger points are a daily byproduct of life. 
I, I agree with that. I have, and, sometimes yeah. I'll have end plate noise. Sometimes I'll have a little inflammation. It's not that big of a and, deal. And, it's not the problem. And when we went to our course, I would argue I was not in pain, but doling, you lit me up like a Christmas tree. I mean, we found yeah. every single muscle group that we tried, we found trigger points and got a twitch response. Even. Yeah. So that, that would be a piece of it for me that makes me a skeptic. Yeah. Um, and, and I will say however, when, I, when I took the course too, Jan Domerell taught our course, like a pretty big name. He, I, he used me as the first patient. He was like, who's got, you know, dominant uh, upper traps. And I said, well, I'm pretty beefy. Like I got traps, <laughs> right? So me. he palpated them and he's like, oh, these are pretty serious trigger points. Right. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's killing me as you're, you know, rubbing on them. Um, he needled the hell out of both my traps because he was so frustrated. He needled my one and got no twitch response. He needled my other one, got no twitch responses. He's like, I've never not gotten twitch responses in a trap. And I was like, well, that kind of disproves your whole talk. But you were saying that. I don't think that disproves it though, because you said yourself, you were with, you were symptom free. You know, I don't think that we need to be needling everybody just, just cause I know, I know the point like traps are God dang 95% of what I seem to needle are like traps. Mm. and shoulders <clears throat> and even if i'm just doing a pair of scapular i keep the traps because i'm like there's probably going to be something there <laughs> right. now you're um, looking for it you're going to find it but at the same time that doesn't mean we need to go create stuff either so i'm nope. not i i'm not disagreeing with you on that but I, i'm also going to say i don't think it debunks it though either because you said yourself you're pain free like you probably if you go snooping around that that doesn't mean you're always going to turn up stuff yeah what, but well, I mean, into, can't can't we say that our treatments are effective without saying they're treating trigger points? I mean, if I have somebody that's got pain in their shoulder and I put a few needles in there, I mean, can't we agree that that's going to cause descending inhibition in the brain? Like you're introducing new noxious input to that tissue. I, I don't like. I think that's part of it. I just don't think that explains shut it. that down. I've seen stuff when I've done it. I've experienced it myself. That that doesn't explain the whole situation though either. Well, and I think, you know, we've, I've said it before. I'm not going to say you guys agree on it, but like needling, man, that is the strongest placebo treatment we can do. Like you put a needle in something and it grabs because you've jammed a needle into it and it, you get that. It doesn't grab all the time. Reflex. though. not all I mean, the it doesn't time, grab but all some the of the times. I can and, guarantee and you can take a needle through my whole body right now and get 40 or 50 twitch responses in random muscle groups. Um, so that's a great placebo effect. You know, if you feel like you find a trigger point and you try to needle it and it doesn't get a twitch response, do you just say, well, that was the trigger point I felt we're moving on. I'm not going to do any more needles. No, you try other spots and you work to get that twitch response because that creates a strong placebo effect, um, combined with descending inhibition. Cause you've now put four or five needles into somebody and created some tissue damage and some noxious input that your body knows is not that dangerous that's the nice thing about needles they're not that dangerous they're thin yeah. they, they they don't cause much more damage than i mean they're less noxious than a paper cut um so your body's able to send that descending inhibition shut down pain to that area a little bit which has a carryover effect from what the actual underlying issue is whether it's mechanical i know you guys like uh, regional independence mechanical issues um and allows you to move easier right? Like, can, can we just, can't we just say, Hey, I'm going to give you a way to move easier. Like this is going to shut down some of that pain. So you can sure. move easier. <clears throat> what sure. You're but doing patients want more, they want, they want more understanding than that. Patients want more understanding than that. And but I think do we have to give them 
I mean, that's what Travell and Simmons did. They created. Uh, but that's so long ago. That's that's antiquated. That's so antiquated. But we're still it's, using it's not like, it. <laughs> but I'm telling you, there's still like evidence. So if there's evidence to support it that's coming out fairly recently, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna avoid that because some other counter evidence is saying, well, it doesn't necessarily exist either. You know, I going back to your point, some people are gonna, you know, how do you rationalize why you can go into 90 people's traps and get, you know, fine, especially if you if you take your time and you're more specific, um, you will get those twitches. And yet then you go into somebody who's relatively pain free. You're just doing it because you're already needling some other structures and you're going to say, let's see if we got anything. And there's nothing. So then why? So again, if they, if they don't exist, why do some people get that type of twitch response and other people don't? They're normal. They're located everywhere in your body. You put needles into people and sometimes you're going to find spots that make them twitch. It's a, Normal response I, to getting needled. That you know, I would say the same argument the other way. You find people with painful areas and you needle them, and they don't always twitch. Yeah, I and I would go into here. Here would be my take. Is as far as I know, we're out of our shtick. But this would be uh, just Jeremy's take, not the judge's take. Yeah, yeah. in no word is it the final. Like in no way, it's the final word. Yeah, no, but, but um, way I, I would say I would say what you hit on, Nick, is very important. Multimodal approach, right? Uh, and you 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 referred to it uh, too, Casey, where you say like, can't we just say this is a way to get you moving better? And I think we can, right? Um, I don't think mm-hmm. it should be. Uh, I don't think it should be the basis of what we do. But mm-hmm. um, and and like, but then I also have this internal struggle too, where placebo or not, if somebody dealing with chronic pain comes in and says, holy smokes, I have relief. Holy smokes, I was able to move better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in today's, you know, uh, medical environment where, right, opioids are still rampant, even with- 73% of spine surgeries don't work. Yeah. So then I go, that that was kind of what I was alluding to where I say, does it matter? You know, and and to say like, man, if if we can use this as a tool, and that's how I'll try to explain it to everybody. I did it today. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I yeah. used some a stem today. I used some dry needling today, and I said, hey, you know, whether it's, I I said whether it's uh the tool, whether it's this rock blade, whether it's this needle, whether it's exercise, all we're trying to do is improve blood flow, reduce inflammation, get you moving. Mm-hmm. And and she was like, yeah, awesome. Right. And, but still she was like, oh man, I feel immediate relief. And then you go again to me, I'm like, ah, still just cynically in my brain. I'm like, ah, yeah. did it Maybe do that? Yeah. But it's getting her moving. Uh, so that's, that's where I ultimately look at it too, to say like, yeah, I think messaging matters a hundred percent. It's not for everybody, but it can be a really valuable tool. Yeah. Especially I, for, I need, go ahead. And, and I would agree. I just need to clarify. Go ahead. Oh, he said, he, yeah. Um, I, I'm just going to clarify my point too. I don't go in. I think if anybody who works with me down here in Marshall, where I do almost all my needling, um, if they're listening, they can kind of testify this. Like, I don't go into any treatment as like, this is, this is the cure that's going to treat you. You know, this is, this is the tool that's going to bust up all your trigger points. And you're no longer going to have. You know, I really don't approach it that way. I feel like um, I was 
highly skeptical of trigger points uh, prior to my level one DN course. Uh, kind of like Jeremy was saying, I, I thought is what DN stands for. Oh, thank you. I thought it was, you know, a little bit of voodoo. Um, very skeptical. And I'd look through the books where they have the referral maps and I'm like, ah, does it, does it not? I don't know. But to something that Jeremy mentioned earlier, you know, being on the table and experiencing various forms of, you know, referred pain when people would hit latent points on me um, really created my own personal buy-in or bias. And then by the end of that session, uh, you know, I, I was, I was feeling it was a strong intervention and mm. I know Jeremy's aware of this, but I'd been kind of battling about a four or five year history of right buttock pain when I'd sit and drive. I think I've shared that story, right? And <clears throat> I would, I couldn't make it more than 30 minutes without having to do this number where you, you know, relieve pressure, press myself up. And I kept thinking it was like some type of perhaps nerve root impingement, something old. Um, and I had, they asked for, you know, demonstrators, somebody to demo um, hamstrings. And finally it was day three. So I said, sure, yeah, might as well. And he did my hammies, not my glutes, but my hammies. And um, if you remember that, Jeremy, they just didn't stop twitching. Like he hit four or five points and they just didn't stop. And I can remember people asking him like, well, how long do you keep going after it? Right. <laughs> and he's like, He's like, this guy's been putting up with it for a long time. He's going to want me to get rid of it, right? And he's just like, just pistoning like crazy. And I get off the table finally after he hits all these different levels, and I had just pure jelly life. And uh, he, you know, he went over. He's like, do some like deadlift patterning, put some some RDL stuff, put some tone back into it. And then we went on our way, right? We cleaned up the clinic. I mean, pretty much closed shop, cleaned up the clinic, and I didn't really think much of it. And about probably three or four weeks later, we take the kids to uh, Wisconsin Dells for MBA break. And, you know, like always, we're driving and we, we're about 120, 150 miles from Marshall before we finally stop. And I get out and I'm gassing up and, and I'm, I just didn't say anything to that point. But Michelle goes, she goes, you're not like in pain. And I said, yeah. And I said, hmm, funny. I get back in and I start driving like the rest of the way and we're talking about it. And I said, you know, that's the only thing I've done different in, you know, in the time since. And that to me, as I started thinking about it before, I'm like, and I really haven't had anywhere near the same degree of, of like that similar buttock and, and posterior chain pain. But I had since then, probably never came back to that level ever. Casey? Yeah, and I again, I I would say, yeah, I hate to say it because you were a skeptic, but they built it up a little bit of placebo effect. But then he he nailed you, and what did he have you do? He had you do the things that were probably irritant for you, um, and you taught your body that that's okay, you know, um, for the short term. He didn't, I mean, he didn't have me sit. He didn't have me sit in my truck for two hours. No, but he had you do other things that you were like, okay, those used to hurt, and now they don't. But that never, I ne no, nothing hurt. And that's what I'm saying. Nothing hurt other than prolonged sitting. And I know that's a it's kind of a crap level evidence because it's just mm -hmm. my own case study. But when you experience something like that yourself and you have a pretty profound outcome that's now five years, almost five years in the past, 
you know, I certainly have have an appreciation for it as an approach. Now, whether he was truly going in and breaking down myofascial trigger points, you know, with that treatment, I don't know. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not here to argue dry needling per se. And, you know, I just, it's hard for me to believe the trigger points in your hamstring were causing all that trouble. But, you know, you sat through three days of placebo education, you know, it's just, and, and I think we know the narrative in medicine and we have to be prepared to treat it. Right. So I think the, I don't think you're a bad therapist for using trigger point directed interventions. I did it the other day, a lady came in and she had a ton of middle back pain, leg pain. You know, we, we did mobility stuff. We did uh, some calming techniques and it was all fine. She's like, all I have is lateral flank pain, like right here. Right. So I did a little soft tissue mobilization. I ischemic pressure. Cause I just don't treat trigger points much. So I don't have as many tools as you guys have on hand. But she was like, wow, that's like the best treatment I've ever had. Like, I mean, it, you know, but I still don't believe that that was the problem. But again, the narrative is so strong that if you don't address it, patients aren't going to get better. So I think dry needling is fine. I, I think foam rolling, ugh, ugh, it's okay. <laughs> All right. Like, I think ACM is fine. I, I think Rastin's fine. I think if the patient comes in with the expectation of they've been told by five or six different professionals that they got myofascial pain. Um, they got trigger points, they got knots. Um, you know, my, my significant other massages me and he says, it's so, so much tone and there's so many knots, Like you have to address that, you know, and, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not denying that. I just think as therapists, we need to change the narrative. And instead of having the patient come in and go, yeah, you got a ton of knots. These techniques will remove your trigger points and you'll feel better. Like, I, I think we just need to change the narrative a little bit. So the patients realize that like, it's not the trigger points causing their pain. It's, you know, inflammation, lack of movement, uh, whatever the loading was that you never just got your body back to normal movement, fear movement, whatever it is, you know? Um, Cause again, every research is going to go something plus exercise works great. Something by itself doesn't work very good. Right. Like we just need to move people better. So if trigger point therapy is great at getting moving, awesome. Like, but don't perseverate that same narrative so that another 20 years we're still doing these same trigger point treatments you know it's yeah. no different like i said then it's not a straw man argument but just a comparison of my si's out let's do a muscle energy technique those muscle energy techniques did work i used them on patients when i started but that narrative of your si was rotated and i put it back into place by using your muscles the same muscles you're going to use walking out of here and going up and down the stairs um but somehow that didn't put you in and out um you know that you know it's just the how we change but then some people counter by saying you shouldn't do that you know you should have restricted movement after doing that you know yeah belt it up if you, but then you're then you're then you're kind of debunking and we don't have any disagreements here but the, if you're going with a purely biomechanical obviously i don't think any of us disagree with that no yeah. correct yeah. yeah yeah i think when it all boils down it's just it's just narrative and how we go about what we do works. I I don't deny that. I've said a ton on this podcast. Like we have very, very good results with dry needling. We have very good results with pain science. We, you know, we have good results with these things. It's just, can we maybe change the narrative a little bit? You know, can we empower people instead of creating long-term, you know, can we take that placebo effect to empower people instead of taking, you know, how you empower someone to create nocebo, you know, you, you buy it, you get them to buy a foam roller. That's how you empower someone uh, for sale in our clinic for $35. Yeah. 
<laughs> I got uh, my final point on this before we can move on to top five. I promised somebody I'd give them a shout out today. Oh, uh, they, felt, they felt lost. They felt left out. Um, Are they following and, us though? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, they like, yeah. Subscribe. So, um, so <laughs> Ashley Holm, our phenomenal PTA down here in Marshall. She's been what up, Ashley? Ashley, do shop talk. She said she uh, <clears throat> felt a little a little heartbroken. She hasn't been name dropped yet, so. Or name drop her. I have, uh, I think she'd be okay sharing. I've had a dry needle her shoulder and upper trap on a few different occasions and um, have had pretty profound successful outcomes with that um, short term and long term. So there's my shout out for Ash and uh, somebody will maybe get on the pod down the road, talk a little health coaching and stuff like that. Love she can talk running too. I can, I can second, yeah, I can, I can second that. She's beast mode. Like I got to work with her for my first five years of practice as well. So, Ashley, I don't know her at all, but Ashley, you seem awesome. So, <laughs> uh, legit, legit, one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. So, big That's shout out real. to Ash. Yep, Ashley, if you're ever through Fargo, I will buy you lunch. I promise. <laughs> there you go. Gluten free. Yeah. Call me on it. Oh. There's lots of options in Fargo. We'll find something. Yeah, lots. Speaking of gluten-free, is that, is that something, something you need on your barbecue? holiday barbecue bash? I need extra huh? gluten. I need tons of gluten when I barbecue. I need all the gluten. So you're not double fisting brats. I it was a wrong. No. Thing. I pictured you as like a dude where you're like no bun, just like a burger. Just you're just sitting at the table eating a burger without. A I kind of I well I'll, I'll do a bun pieces. now and again, but I. If, I'll do a bun, but I'm in heaven if I got two patties on that bun. Man, I, I need like the meat to bun ratio needs. To like you're talking oh, patty I... bun patty, where you're you're using the bun as the patty, Big Mac. And the patty as the meat. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just no, saying, okay, I need like I two. Clarify. I need like a couple of these, you know, third pounders, couple third pound patties on there, like bun patty cheese. Okay. Okay. Patty cheese. Okay. Bun. So get you with me? That's so like you a have patty you have, cheese. You have equal patty, patty to cheese bun. ratio? Yeah. So that's you should. So there's all, I'm a so you got the one bun. guy. I'm not gonna lie. You need two cheeses to one patty. That that lets no, her slide uh, down. That's all right too. I ain't gonna yeah. hate on that. I don't know. <laughs> have I, you I, ever have you guys ever had a sandwich that was like too cheesy? Where you're like, mm. Too much damn cheese on this thing. I, I have. Enjoy it. I actually what? have. A liar. And I didn't liar. think I could. Tell the no, story. Tell the story because I didn't think that was true as well. No, no. It's like Michelle's like amazing at making grilled cheeses. Okay. And um, I've kind of thrown my hat in there too, trying to learn from her. And one time I, I thought it was just going to be so great because I'm like, ah, she uses like, for, for, you know, normal slices of bread, she'll use like three or four slices of cheese, right? Solid ratio, like, I would agree, two to one. I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. So I'm gonna go like freaking seven or eight. <laughs> and okay, and I did that, and it was just like crazy rich. Like you, you get through it, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe that was a little too much, too much of the good stuff, you know. So your after was bad, but how was the during? <laughs> no, I mean during. Like I ate, I got like halfway through the Sammy, and I'm like, okay, I uh, probably overthought this thing, and it's maybe a little too much. Hard to believe. I'm gonna need one next time we're in person. I need a Nick Doling eight cheese grilled cheese. Eight cheese grilled cheese. I'm gonna bring a little griddle next time we get together. You're (laughs) instead of a working lunch where you order in, you are. So here's my question though. Like, 
we also have this is called like out, we kept it pretty broad right you guys were like outdoor gathering essentials as well so yeah like are we talking games too i mean what are we what are yeah, we talking yeah. i said games, if you're food. gonna have a party in your backyard outside mm-hmm. what, gotcha. do you, what do you need what do you, what need, do you need to feel good about that party all right love it tried it but we are back so we're gonna hit our Top five, 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 five. Requirements for barbecue outdoor gathering essentials. I think I might as well kick it off. Beans, I'm talking and I love to talk as you guys know. So my number five, (laughs) and I think this is going to be a fun list, is I think if you're going to have just an awesome outdoor barbecue uh, with anybody, you got to have like the big ass metal bucket of ice and beers sticking out of it i just feel like it's such a it's such a like grade school i'm not trying move just to have like coolers on your deck like oh yeah go go into the cooler and see what's in there like you have that sweet ass metal bucket with the handles that have no purpose um and you've bought way more ice than you'll ever need but the bucket sucks at keeping ice from melting because it's not a cooler but it still looks badass it's like this is a dude that doesn't care at all about spending money on this barbecue because he's going to melt that ice in like an hour. But he doesn't. That's and here's all the drinks there. he has. I got three beers. I got a White Claw. I got a Boone's Farm for Jeremy in there. Like you've, shown, you've presented it. And as you're cooking, you're like <laughs> adjusting it so it always looks good. Man, as an adult, as a, as a college kid, I would have never thought that was a thing. But as an adult, that thing's baller ass. I got one from a silent auction. Never not have one out. Now, you're right. Five. Very aesthetically pleasing. Oh, very, so very good. Like, good there. When you show up on the deck and you see that sucker, you're like, I don't even have to ask about drinks. I'm a, but I'm a cheap cooler. presented to me. Like, you know, that's cool. That's cool because it's like help yourself. I, I, like, I like where you're coming from. There. Yeah, um, it's, like a, it's like a little bit of ad. Like here's like the eight things we have. Just go ahead and grab. You know, I'll I'm like I'll a cooler guy. I'm just give me a cheap Coleman though. I want to keep my stuff kind of chilly. Like because there's there, you like, can still have as, a Coleman. That's where you pull your supply from. As far like, as like a good like, domestic have light beer. beers in there, but I'm gonna have the other twenty on ice in the cooler. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna disagree with your aesthetics of it. I'm just saying the practicality of it. Because if I'm gonna drink, you know, domestic light beer, which I will in the summer. I'm like, man, I look, there's just something about being ice freaking cold. And it, there's something in, in the middle of the day, like on a beautiful Saturday when you could start at noon and not, not a care in the world. Yeah. It's just so good. Oh man. You got that ice bucket. You, you take the, you take the neck of the beer and you give it like a 10 second spin before you pull it out of that ice. That sucker is going to be colder than anything you pull out of that. I ain't bad either. I ain't mad at it. All right. I'm just saying that's my number I'll go, five. I can go. Grow up, guys. I, Grow I can up. go next and save Jeremy for the big crescendo. I love it. Oh, this is going to be huge. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, <laughs> um, my number five is just the old classic staple beanbag or cornhole game, um, as some people like to uh, refer to. There's something just very inclusive about the game. Pretty much anybody can play it. Um, if you got kids, you can shorten the playing field a little bit. Everybody to some degree understands it. I think to this point, the point scoring is fairly well established and um, appreciated, understood. You know, you get 
three for in the hole, one, you know, on the board. Um, most people get it. You don't have to break it down nonstop. Sometimes there's some rules in like canceling out, or if you go back to, you know, if you bust, you go back to a yeah, line, right? Some of that. Yeah, you got yeah, to that. that's rules. agreement before that first house bag rules. gets the air. Yep, yep. And there's ultimately always going to be some of that that creeps up after you're playing. Somebody's like, oh, God damn it. I thought we busted to 50. I'm like, who the hell bust to 50? That's stupid shit. You're going to 11. You know? <laughs> I like it. Okay. So that's my number five. Uh, bean bags, and I have a very, very nice set that was a, a fancy little gift I got for you. Yeah, that's fancy my only bags. problem with bags. Uh, in my oh. job is to S on stuff on this show, so I'm gonna jump into it. I just feel like there's like too high of a barrier to entry with bags. I don't own bags just because I'm like, oh, like a hundred bucks for a bag set that I'm gonna have to like put in my garage somewhere and like take out. I'm gonna, just like, there you go, Jer- Jeremy. Let's go in on a PT shop talk. Bag set. <laughs> Bag oh, set for Casey. If you guys are looking for a Christmas gift, that'd be great. There you go. <laughs> we can redo our list because bags is not on my top five. Um, what? <laughs> so Who that's are you? I don't know. I'm the guy with a metal bucket of beers. <laughs> I don't mind that. I don't mind that either. All right, Jeremy, number five. Number five. Uh, I put lighting and a fire slash fire. Reason being, any good barbecue is not just ending at six thirty, right? Like you just, like you it. got, you just gotta like have that. the ability to to uh, take it where it leads. So, when does the sun go down in Green Bay? You know, uh, we are right. We are right on the western edge of the eastern time zone. Say that time, mm-hmm. five times fast. Western uh, edge of the eastern time zone. Yeah, <laughs> that's one time. Now I'll ju- yeah. I'll just edit it to where I put that four more times. Go on. Oh, so good, yeah, good. what time does it get dark over there? Like uh, nine? You know, we're it, it's very light out. It's a little after yeah. nine right now, and it's very light outside. We could be playing bags right now oh, without light, without lighting. Without should be talk. fun. Yeah. Yep. That's my number five. Yeah, love a it. good five. I don't I don't hate that. I love a good fire. Yeah. Are you guys like? <clears throat> fire pit guys or are you guys like uh propane fire guys like heater table doling's guys? probably a doling's probably a solo stove guy you got one of those no. smokeless solo smokeless stove? yeah i've just had a patient today talk about the old smokeless thing i like we smoke. no we yeah. we uh we were fire pit for <laughs> cool. a long time we yeah. went through two fire pits at the old place and then what are you putting wild. in your fire pits? Animals, I assume. No, they just corroded <laughs> like, these things. If you leave oh, them out, like I like they didn't eat, none of them had like, a good cover, you know? Mm. So they, they get corroded. I think oh, yeah. no matter what, they get yeah, you gotta they get kind of wore Flip them up and cover them for sure. Yeah. So uh, but Michelle went out and bought this really sweet propane one with the nice rocks, you know. And yeah. We, we moved that to the new place. That that thing's legit. It just goes through propane pretty quick. That's my only knock on it. Yeah, I have both. And it's not free. Like I, I love the fire pit because I love the smoke. There's something about like yeah, on that when fire. it's clean, when it's clean smoke. Yeah, yeah, and like it's not damp wood and so much lawn crap that I need to burn anyways. Uh, and you don't want that dirty right? smoke. You don't <laughs> want any plastics in there. <laughs> yeah, cursed it. Just putting his garbage in there. Like oh, I <laughs> gotta do something with it. Plastic and animal carcass. <laughs> I, I grew up burning garbage. All the I did too. hundred percent. Like, uh, burned garbage in North Dakota. Listening. Uh, go uh, after my dad, uh, not me. I told him not to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I 
Yeah, I love lighting. I just put up like uh, those huge ass like LED like bulb string lights around my deck. Nice, nice. Oof, man, that I sit out there sometimes by myself. It's just pleasant when it's dark. So <laughs> nice. I like Nick, it, guys. Nick knows I'm emo. I like sitting out in the dark. So my <laughs> number to dashboard confessional. Yep, simple plan. Uh, my number four <laughs> is like a kind of a recent addition to to my outdoor party list because. This thing would never have been on my list earlier, but now they have kids and technology has changed. My number four is water balloons. I don't know if you guys have partaken in like the new water balloon technology where it's like you can fill 50 water balloons in 30 seconds. It's unbelievable. 100. They make 100, 100 or 300. Like yep. they, they make these huge suckers. So literally, and they tie themselves. When I was a kid, yeah. If you wanted a water balloon fight, you had to spend the evening preparing they to have a water themselves? balloon. They tie yeah, themselves. Yeah, they themselves. Yeah, they have like a little rubber band, really yeah. tiny. So yeah, once they get to a certain weight, they fall off the hose and they tie themselves. Uh, it is a game changer because not only do my kids love it, and I can like they can literally just run around yeah. and throw water balloons at themselves. But, like adults love it. With they, I'm blasting my kids in the face with a water balloon from 20 yards away. It's hilarious. Now, now. I have an objection because you're going to have more stuff to burn when you're done with that. No, and I have those... this dog now, so he just wanders around and eats all the balloons. Uh, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about the the little um, device that you attach to your home. So. The little I plastic thing with all the straws. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna be a bad guy. I say like I just throw everything in recycling. I let the recycling place deal with it. <laughs> it's not recyclable. We end uh, up with tons of those things just like laying around though. Yeah, but they're kind of fun. You can still like put them on the end of the hose and like spray the kids with them. Like, mm -hmm. It's kind of like a poor man yeah. sprinkler. Um, but yeah, you can take like True. 30 water balloons, throw it on your trampoline. Kids can jump around. Like there's just so many uses for these water balloons. It's a blast. Like you, you want to play bags with water balloons? Go ahead. You can throw that through the hole. If it bursts, you don't get any points. Uh, so yeah, water oh, not my nice set. Not your nice set. Uh, but yeah, like the cheap $20 plastic one that sucks that you hate using, there's an actual use for it now. So yeah, my number four, water balloons. It's a game changer. Like it's it. fun. I'm old. I'm in the, I'm in the old crotch. I'm in my forties now. I can be old crotchy. Like, yeah. <laughs> take care of my board. Wipe it. Gloss it. Yeah. Just waxing um, it with like surfboard wax. wax. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta take care of it. So, um, yeah. The bag hits the bottom and ends up 30 feet away. So <laughs> these were so my, free. <laughs> yeah, I don't dang it um mine's gonna get a little food heavy coming up um oh, starting like with my that. number four i got the uh you know some people i can't armadillo eggs but oh yeah really just the, the bacon wrapped jalapenos with cream cheese mm. and uh people slap call those, those armadillo eggs no i, can't remember oh. that. I think armadillo <laughs> are wrapped armadillo in sausage are... too right yes yeah that's yeah then you add that's so i'm gonna update that and have an armadillo egg because We've done that a couple times where you wrap, then you take that and wrap it in sauce, and then you wrap the bacon around it. Yeah. Give it a final little coating of barbecue sauce at the end. Um, <laughs> such a legit appetizer. Just no. Don't nuts. you usually smoke those? Yeah. You're yeah, right. Fantastic. So if you're if you got a larger cut of meat that's going to take a while, you know, in your bottom rack, you put you put all these things on your you prep them, throw them on your top rack. They're done in like less than an hour, and people love them. People eat so much of that damn stuff. Um, that by the time the real encore comes on, it's like hardly anybody's hungry anymore. Yeah. So armadillo eggs, baby. Number four. So I had a hard time hearing that. What exactly is an armadillo egg? 
That's something wrapped in sausage and bacon. So you take okay, you take your jalapeno. <clears throat> yep. And my and Michelle's better. She's my my perfect. She's awesome at this. She takes cuts them in half, cores out the, all the seeds and all the center, right? Yeah. And then you take you put your cream cheese in there. Okay. I'm following okay. so far. Then, then you take and you um, kind of encapsulate it in a thin coating of sausage, ground sausage. The good how how thin are we talking? Like quarter inch. Well, you can go as thick. I mean, you can go as thick as you want. But I have to imagine, but, like cheese sandwich, there is a diminishing return situation. Mm, it's still meat, though. So I mean, that, doesn't get as cooked and because you, you want the inside to be crispy or soft. Well, you're going to want that to be pretty gooey. You're going to want the cream cheese to be kind of melted, right? But what about the jalapeno? The jalapeno is not going to get crispy because it's encapsulated by the sausage. So that sucker's. It's going to have a nice. Cr- it's going to have a nice crunch to it. Oh, okay. But so you, have so you still want a crunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then you, but but when you're, you're not, you, you have the sausage on sausage. there. Not an inch. Well, yeah, oh, I mean, you, you could. You, I've seen people Probably make them like inch. damn near like a burger, like right. Well, and that, then, that's the thing. They're like they can be. You can do it that way. Like baseball, softball. Like the size of an armadillo egg. Yeah. Oh, hence the name. Well, that makes yeah, sense. Then, All right. No, and I you you wrap oh, that was and foolish. you wrap. Not bad. You know, not only is there enough binder and all that sausage fat, then they then you wrap bacon around. It really holds it together, and give it a good coating of rub. Okay. Um, holds your know, arteries together. The so- well, the sodium <laughs> is going to be high, but okay. Now I'm not. Like and a, it's uh, I think it's gluten free. Okay. You're not a big bacon wrapper guy, like. Does the bacon just hold itself together? You like fixate it with a toothpick? What, what, you can do the toothpick. I usually do a toothpick. Just be safe. Okay. Well, I'm learning. I'm here to learn. That's what a podcast your, is. About. Your blood pressure will probably come down somewhere around like the 4th of July. I'm on so no. much <laughs> blood pressure meds that man, nothing can touch me. <laughs> Eat it. Enjoy <laughs> it. Well, All right, Jerry. Throw a couple of Sartans in there and I'm good. That was my, that was my number four. My, my number four uh, is uh, yard games in general. Um, so bags are a big piece of that. Uh, I am a big fan of bocce ball. Uh, not a lot of people, not a lot of people like to play bocce. Uh, but then uh, another game I was introduced to is called Coop. Oh, yeah. They'll the call it. Things. Yeah, yeah. They'll call it Viking chess. Uh, and the, the lore is that it stems from a ninth century game that they used to play with skulls and femurs from the people they murdered. A dark, okay. Makes yeah. a ton of sense. So yeah. I could make a set out of my cat. We've waited too long. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> a mini set. Sorry. Yeah, just a little one. <laughs> Tabletop. That could be, yeah, that could just be Table fun year round. You wouldn't yeah, need it like, outdoors. He's the gift that keeps on giving. He's always with us. <laughs> Tabletop. <laughs> Oh I know gosh. my wife's going to listen and she is going to yell at me so much for that statement. I'm sorry, honey. I love the kids. You, you awesome. didn't really throw him in the trash, did you? Yeah, now she's going to wonder. I'm going to have to right, show yeah. her the ashes. Like, you literally went and got like ashes from the grill, right? Like that's Show me a receipt. Show me a receipt. Yeah. Like, show me his teeth. Like, his teeth don't burn, right? Like, he has to have his dental record still. That's me in trouble now. Number three. That's <laughs> Go ahead. Number three, Case. My number three. Again, old man. Uh, this would not have been on my list a long time ago, but I got one two years ago, and I will never turn back. If you're going to have a rock and outdoor party, get yourself a canopy. 
like go to Fleet Farm, go oh, to Walmart yeah. and get just a, like a little canopy, like a, I don't know, a 10 by 10. Because you know what sucks? Like sunscreen sucks. I'm sorry for all of you people that hate the sun and you people that know skin cancer. I get it. But I totally hate sunscreen. I hate putting it on. I hate how it feels. And there's just something nice about throwing a canopy out in your yard. It takes like two minutes to hook up. Uh, North Dakota kind of sucks because of wind, so you got to get yourself some weights. But other than that, what a pleasant spot. And you can actually throw up a mosquito net. Uh, again, North Dakota, Minnesota, mosquitoes suck too. Like, canopy yeah. is so enjoyable. And at this age, I have grandparents that come over for events. I got little kids. Yeah. Like, if you got babies, throw them under the canopy, give them a few blocks. Like, you need that spot. That's pleasant. Uh, previous to the canopy, like, people just have to go sit inside by themselves because, like, man, it's too hot. And there's too many bugs. My baby's eating dandelions. Uh, so now I don't have any of those problems. So my number three mm-hmm. is a canopy. It's great. Canopy. Smart buy. Yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. smart buy. If you're ever on the fence about it, just pull the trigger at like 119 Fleet Farm. Get it. And it's, such I, a, and it's so versatile. I mean, you use it for tailgating too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a key for tailgating. We, yeah, we always use that for smoke fest and any other yeah. barbecue. Conference. If you're going to have like little kids, at some point you're going to have like graduation events and birthday parties. Like you're going to use it all the time. Yeah. I would I would almost think you're describing bags when you say versatile. You can use it at tailgating. Worth yeah. Mm. Again. Yeah. Uh, you're outside as long as you're outside, right? I don't know. Okay. I've you, even played a lot of bags in, in like, like a garage or a shed. Ten people to. under canopy, two people can play bags. Four people. Four people. Uh, I've even played six. I played six, and that gets a little long, but yeah, done that. You you might as well just go somewhere else then because you don't want to hang out with anybody else then at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's my I'm such a competitor. I'm just like, winner. I'm such a competitor where where whoever I pair up with, I'm like, winner stays, and we're just here all day. Yeah, you never talk to a single person. Enjoy those armadillo eggs, Bill. <laughs> I made them an this morning, but I'm on a roll. I've got four yep. holes in a row. I don't I'm not going to lose to some somebody's shitty aunt. No yeah. way. You're slapping kids' bags out of the air. Get your weak shit out of here. It wasn't even going to hit the board. <laughs> God dang it. All right. <clears throat> My number three, uh, back to food, because apparently that's how I really view the world. Um. Just some damn awesome pork spare ribs. Um, mm. You can, Ooh. you prepare, and there's a little bit of work to do these suckers right. Um, been asked a lot of times if you do the three, two, one foil, you know, my Traeger always ends up overcooking them. So it's, it, they cook faster. Dang. Um, Get a green six egg. Hours. No, no, no. I'm, I'm pellet bound, baby. I'm, I'm married to it. <laughs> um but you get you get some damn sweet pork ribs i mean there's work you gotta strip the membrane you gotta (laughs) rub it everywhere the membrane you have i used to and i quit doing it and i've never turned back you know what you when you're slightly you're going to bite through and you get a chunk of membrane it's holding it it's crispy you've cooked it it's like a little snap it's like your uh, jalapeno crispy well And I'm, I'm a, I'm such a lover of these and I, I usually do, I have to do more than one rack at a time. Um, and one of them I'll, I'll leave dry rub and one I will sauce and let caramelize. Um, if I do more than that, then, then it's a little, <laughs> a little poopery. Um, but 
huge must. And, and it's never, I mean, one of the awesome things about cooking and barbecue in general is like when you see other people enjoy your food, that's, it's such a money thing. Like nobody, anybody who's tried good ribs, they know it. It's just, it's delicious. It's buttery. It's sweet. It's, it's awesome. So that's my number three pork spare ribs. Boom. Also gluten-free. <laughs> New trend. Uh, my number three also goes, uh, well, on the grill, but uh, also does not have any gluten in it, uh, but it's grilled asparagus. Uh, oh, wild card. I, I tell you oh. what, uh, we are we are out here in, in Michigan. We're, we are in asparagus country, and it is fresh season right now. I tell you what, a little olive oil, put it right on the grill. Mm -hmm. Great. Chef's mm -hmm. kiss. Oh. Yep. You know, guys, <clears throat> is there a food? This would be a whole other top five, but top five foods, asparagus has got to be in there. That was so atrocious when you're a kid growing up. At <laughs> some point, you just love At not. some point, adulthood, adulthood, you're like, this is amazing. Yeah. Brussels sprouts for sure for me. Oh, Brussels sprouts are so damn good now. Yeah. I think we do you think people have gotten better at preparing them too, though? 100%. I, it has to be part of it. Like, my mom would just like boil Bless them. my mom. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Basically, it's like on, it's on the stove. Just this mini cabbage. I just cooked it with your macaroni noodles, Nick. They'll, they'll be fine. <laughs> but the way Jeremy laid that to out, mess you know, two pots up at once. Toss, yeah. that, toss those asparagus spears with some olive oil, gar little garlic, little pepper. Mm, yeah, yeah I do a little good. balsamic vinaigrette once in a while. If you that's want good too. Oh, yeah, that's good too. Get some. Mm, mm. Mm, mm, that is a wild card choice, but I don't hate it. I don't hate. <laughs> it. I don't hate it either. All right, veg our first vegetable in the top five. We Probably our most. Yeah. No, it isn't. That's it a isn't. fiber. It isn't. Oh, oh. oh. spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, my head's spinning. Number two. <laughs> my number two. You got to have something besides the bucket of beers. So my number two, if you're going to have a little party outside, got to have margaritas. Man, margaritas, they're super versatile because you can do a straight-up margarita. You can do a blended margarita. And if you're going to blend, throw some of those virgin for the kids. Like, it's a party for everybody. I've seen my kids get drunk off virgin margaritas because they think the adults are having the time of their lives. Like, oh, dad's crazy. That must be these things. Uh, and I've checked, double-checked, yeah. not alcohol in them. Uh, yeah, margaritas, man, that is a fun maker. It's, that is just, it's so good. fun maker. Like, and people love it. Do when you, you bring the and you saw, out, do you and saw, like, you... oh, margaritas. Like it opens you everybody your, up. You salt your rims and stuff. Uh, yeah. If I'm gonna do it right, for sure. I mean, if it's just me yeah. and my buddies, we're getting ham boned. Like, yeah, we're just drinking tequila with all the margarita mix. But um, yeah, like, yeah, the salted rims, the glasses, it's fun. I love margaritas. Yeah. They're just a blast. Everybody's they, you throw a few different mixes out there. Everybody's got a a taste of margarita too. Like. And everybody goes, oh, I don't even, I don't, I don't really do tequila. I don't want to get crazy. And then you make one and they drink it and they're crazy and they're having the time of their lives. Like people. It's good. About tequila. Especially, everybody, I, everybody claims they hate tequila until they drink yeah. it. Is like, it Mr. And Mrs. Like, Tees that makes like the light one? Well, like I'm a big fan. of a light margarita. So it's like only 10 calories versus like the pure sugar. 
Yeah, it's gluten free too. <laughs> but the mix is legit. only ten calories. Yeah, the mix is only ten <laughs> versus like all the sugar that they dump. Like when you do the standard, but, uh, it's so unhealthy otherwise. Yeah, I, I will say I I have typically never made like from scratch margaritas with like my own sugar and lime. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I've never went that far. Like if I'm gonna be honest, maybe you should. You're having a margarita have the time of your life. You know, you, mix <clears throat> it up and go. Casey, you know what? Try add add some tahini to your salt on the rim. Mm. Tahini is like a spice, you know, like a yeah, spice like mix. A spicy. And you may, I had that for the first time in Mexico a few years back and they, they were, <clears throat> I noticed somebody else was walking around with like that, that type of concoction on the grid. Like, try that. Oh, it's spicy. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> it takes it to a whole nother level. It's like, it's, I didn't know there was another cool. level of margaritas. Yeah, there are. There you go, baby. It's Memorial day, baby. I'm going to work till right. Tuesday. Yeah, right. Before All right. Number, number two. Are the best dreams. I like that margarita pick. I was, I was definitely thinking about that too. Um, number two, um, I'm going back to the lawn games. I'm picking up the tempo a little bit. Uh, this game is hot, hot, hot when it comes to the wrestling community as well. Um, oh. talking spike ball, baby. Mm. Um, it's a, <clears throat> I kind of got turned on to it maybe four years ago and I've just fallen really in love with it. I think it's a good way to get a nice little lather, still have a good time. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a little, so going back to bean bags, you know, bags, everybody kind of knows the rule easy spike ball. It's, um, number one, there's not a lot of people who understand the rules. Number two, there's like a lot of variability to the rules and I don't dig that, but mm. when I get going, it's a fun way to stay active. You get a good lather going. It's like you're sweating out your booze. You got to have the right group. You got to have the right group. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a chill game. I've never like, played. This is like adult four square, correct? Basically. Yeah. Or yeah. Like, vo- like a volleyball net on the ground, like built into a trampoline. You just bounce. It's on ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, on the ocean. There's, like there's, beach spike ball where you're in thongs. Beach, beach is the best. Honestly, like yeah, so beach you would be a layout. You could dive and stuff. Yeah, you can lay out. You actually dive in this game. I've only oh yeah, been, yeah, dude. Like you should watch. It's not that big of a tramp, right? I mean, we're talking. Nope. Three it's three, like three, a four three foot, four, three four foot, four foot square diameter, square maybe diameter. Yeah, it's so. like a hula hoop. It, it's okay. like a hula hoop with a net yeah. on it. I mean, it's yeah. How big is man, man, you play you play against some. You play against some young, like sorry for those you know, watching, healthy high schoolers, roughly the size of this, which I know. Didn't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. Probably, I don't what know. Do you, what do you say, Jeremy? Like again, like four four inches in diameter, maybe the ball. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I, I I think the net's only like three. Honestly, like four. That's that's yeah, maybe that could be considerable. Yeah, yeah. So you, it's, uh, fun, yeah. it's fun as hell though. I mean, really you get active. You can you can be active or you don't. You know, you can play with like I've had my mom play. And you know that's kind of fun. You just bring it down. But I've also played against hyper athletic high schoolers, who yeah. even if it's you know Jeremy, you're playing in the sand, it's a blast. But they're playing in like a rough backyard, diving out, <laughs> laying out. Yeah, they're pot. High schoolers are impossible to beat in this game. They're just they can move. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, it's a fun game. Yeah. I, I don't deny that. I, I would just say, yeah, you just got to have the right group. Um, 
or maybe that's because I like get ultra competitive too. Like, oh, this is like do you yeah. feel like being uh, like seven three with a fourteen foot wingspan is a huge advantage in that game? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You still got to move. Okay, still got to move. Right. Um, we should go ahead when we should go head to head sometime. I've got a set. <laughs> All right, everybody's got one. All right, <laughs> you gotta. I got a. I got a. I got a wicked serve. Wicked serve. <laughs> You gotta, right. you gotta be a gentleman with your shirt, <laughs> there, There's some decorum involved with it too. Ah, uh, no, but, I play, for, I play for keeps, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, <laughs> the vegetables haven't left left the list. Oh. Um, my oh, number two is cucumber salsa, and I tell you oh. what, my wife. My wife makes a cucumber salsa that it's like you know it's summer when it's out there. So cool. it's basically yeah. Tell uh, me more. What's in cucumber salsa? I don't think I've ever. So it, yeah, it's, so it's skinned, diced, and uh, inter uh, the cucumbers. That is you, <laughs> not uh, the people, not the people. <laughs> um, we did that episode a while back, yeah. and then it. <laughs> and then it's pretty simple from there. I believe it's uh, it's a can of Rotel. A little bit of cilantro. Uh, I hate cilantro, but go on. Yeah, you either you either love <clears throat> it tastes or you like hate soap. It. Uh, so a little bit of cilantro, and then it's like a ranch packet, hmm. and it is a ranch well, packet. Now you're going yeah, I'm telling you. tortilla chips. Is the tortilla? Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. If you if you All know, right. you know. Yeah, you don't you know what you don't know, and I don't at, know. At any rate, you, you definitely <laughs> have me interested. Yeah. All right, that seems I'm crisp. The, like I like a little bit yeah, of cucumber fresh. in my water. It's cool, I'm the, fresh. I'm the DiCaprio meme right now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Moving on to numero uno, my number mm-hmm. one. I've alluded to it a few times. Man, if you're gonna have a party outside, you gotta have brats. You gotta have brats. That's my number one. If you have nothing else, throw some dang brats on there. I say brats because, like, the only time I eat brats is when I'm grilling outside. I have burgers at restaurants. I have ribs at restaurants. I have chicken at home and at restaurants. I have steak at home plenty, even in the winter when I'm not grilling. But brats, there's something about a beer or a margarita. Uh, Brats on the grill. That is my outdoor deal. And you can, like... I don't know how it is where you guys are, but where we're at, like, you can have a thousand kinds of brats. You like cheese in your brats? Yeah. Good. You yeah. like gummy bears yeah. in your brats? We got gummy bear brats. Like, you want cucumbers mm. in your brats? We got cucumber salsa brats. Like, you Let's can go. do anything. <laughs> like, yeah. brats yeah. are super versatile. It's the only time. Pop it in the casing. Yeah, it's like the only time you ever have them. I, I think that they're just made for outdoor activities. Uh, are you guys, have you guys had brat burgers? No. Yes. So oh, yeah. burgers are good. Is we should shout case? out Hy-Vee. We is should shout out Hy-Vee. Hy-Vee. Hy-Vee's got the best brats that I've encountered. Um, yep, and they've they got do. brat burgers too. Johnsonville makes a brat burger. It's not the same. Um, they also make a, I, I cooked up some brats that are like uh, casingless. So they're Ooh, basic. So, they're the same like thing. The, so Jeremy, same thing. Brat burger, yeah. but they're, they're more like a strip. Yeah. And those are freaking dominant. I did some of those Sundays. I call yeah. Peter Cheddar ones. I feel like I yeah. like the casing. I like the snap. They, yeah, you're right. But, but if you smoke it, okay. it, it you get a little. It's so good though, too. They're they're both good. Yeah. 
that's that's my number one man that that's how you know you're outside partying everything else on my list there's other events besides outside barbecues but brats man that that's what you have at an outside barbecue that's how you know it's a barbecue hey brother i man i i I hear you the only the only counter i have brats that the whole brats and whatever and more brats that's that's what barbecue (laughs) (laughs) you got you can do it year round man because i i do dig Every now and again, there'll be a nice, like, cool fall day where to prepare for a Vikes game, I'll want to take, like, go to go to Hy-Vee, like Jeremy's saying, get some fresh brats, like jalapeno cheddar, whatever, and uh, do the beer boil, mm-hmm. you know, cook, you know, do that, yep, and then that's fi- solid. finish them on the, finish them on the flat top to give them a little, oh, you know, crisp. Yeah. little snap, a um, little snap, because that's a good fall meal, too, so I'm just going to throw that out. No, I, I totally agree. I could eat brats all the time. My <laughs> wife doesn't like brats. So like the only time I get the excuse to make brats is like, well, I'm cooking a lot of other food, but there's like this little like four by six area. Empty brats. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. You got you to, I got to fill the space on the grill with something. Brats do a good job of that. Yeah. So, oh yeah. yeah. I, I love them too. <clears throat> yeah. um, Double fist mine, my number one is what I consider to be the king of barbecue meats. It's it's a perfectly cooked beef brisket. Um, now it's going to take some work. It's going to take a little time, but man, but all good alive. things do. <clears throat> so I can't tell you boys how many times I've like had people. They've been part of a whether it's a family gathering or just a little little weekend party thing we're doing. And it's usually more females than males, but they're kind of like I don't even like. I'm, I don't like brisket. I don't like, you know, like not like they're vegetarians or vegans. They're just, that's ah, not my thing. That's too much. And then, and you cook it, you give them, a, and then you, you slice off, get them, a, get them a good mix with a nice little bark to it, you know, burn it's still going to be tender or do the burn ends too. Oh my God. They're like, this is really good. You know, again, <laughs> it goes back to the reporting thing, but when you nail a, a beef brisket, oh dear God. So good. So good. yeah, easily my easily my number one. Yeah, when you talk about like watching people enjoy the food you cook, yeah. like brisket's the number one. Like that's just a food people don't make, right? Like your yeah, average person doesn't sit at home and make a brisket. So you're a hundred percent correct on that. There's nothing ribs is a close second because people just for whatever reason don't make like ribs. Um, but yeah, brisket's like, oh, you made brisket. Like, and I'm the same mm-hmm. way. I'm like, this is like the best brisket I've ever had. Like it's and and you can't even go to restaurants and get good brisket because they're trying no, to fire it out too quick, right? Like they're just trying to turn well, or the best. Or I think it's I think it's because you you got to do it. Like the place I've had lots of probably too many conversations about barbecue <laughs> with people, but um, like there's there's guys like Aaron Franklin's considered to be the king of brisket. I think he's based on a lot. So there's a name drop, right? Well, Franklin barbecue, like and follow, like and follow, yeah. So his restaurant, <laughs> I, I absolutely, like, once you build that reputation, his model is the perfect model for a barbecue joint. Like, <clears throat> they they cook the brisket overnight. It's pretty much ready at 11 a.m. most of them They open door at 11, and when it's gone, it's gone. It's gone. And the place yeah. closes. And so to your point, like, what I think happens a lot of times is, like, if you go to, God, name it, whatever chain Dickies. is going to, you know, Dickies, right? Dickies was here. Um and you you go there at like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. You're just swinging through, whatever. And you know that brisket, they might have pulled that out and started slicing it back at like two p.m. And it's been sitting there and it just gets dry. And I think that was the issue that I always had when I 
when I've eaten barbecue pretty much anywhere at a, at a restaurant. It's, you tell <clears throat> it's pretty rare whenever it's fresh. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Restaurant brisket's usually dry and not that great. So I think people think they hate it. Like you said, and they, oh, I don't like brisket. I've had brisket. And then they have it at your place and it's like just super tender and fatty and moist. So luxurious. You know, so love good. that word, but <laughs> moist. <laughs> um, <laughs> Take this yeah. moisture to the next level, Jerry. Yeah, what do you got? <laughs> uh, my my number one's pretty obvious. Uh, it's just entertainment is the, the is what I put it under. So it's just good drinks and music. Mm. Uh, mm. You got mm. You just you got to have that at a backyard barbecue. Dude, are you, you guys, like you guys a are... pull out the guitar guy? You no, 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 no. Oh, you're we're playing like, Ti. Boombox. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ti. Yep. Yep. <laughs> What what's the outdoor setup look like? We're we're talking big woofers. No, I just no, like it's usually just a, like a Google Home or something. Uh-huh. I, I'm pretty. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> little, little. You don't want the neighbors speaker, to get. Yeah. You don't want the neighbors to get ticked off. But you want to have some good music out there. So. Yeah, we know you're rocking that thing until the darkness, obviously with your lighting. So you're <clears throat> throwing up Ti at eleven o'clock at night. I get it. If I've got, yeah. it, if I have to. Jeremy's also bald like Vin Diesel, so people show up and you're like, it's family. It's a family thing. <laughs> family. I like that. I want to show up now. <laughs> a little 700 mile John from Green Bay. Yeah. Most of my time. So you're right around the corner. <laughs> Just across the pond. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what all the UK folks say, which Crakey. Fun yeah. fact, we had our first UK listener. We are no longer. 100 percent american listeners we're in inter- international brand one person listened to one episode so that's a fun fact for everybody i'm surprised they weren't hooked I we're mean, international well it's too soon to tell maybe they'll listen to other yeah. episodes and they'll yeah. tell two friends and they'll tell two friends i assume it's they really... like our cheeky humor <laughs> yes oh, cheeky 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 Thanks everybody for listening. Yes. I think that's the end of episode 21. Uh, if you guys have any top fives you want us to go over, if you have any topics you want to cover, you want us to go to PT Court over something, heck, email us yes. at ptshoptalk at gmail.com. Uh, Take if away. you want to see me in my tie and suit and Nick and his just grubby normal people clothes for the episode, uh, watch us on YouTube at PT Shop Talk. <laughs> obviously you can follow us wherever podcasts are found because you guys obviously found us so until mm-hmm. next time i'm casey hansen Nick i'm jeremy Boy. van klappenberg <laughs> see y'all let's go